What's going on, everyone? You're tuning into another podcast episode of Sports Talk Today with JJ. My name is Jason Joseph, and if you're new to my channel, and if you're listening to me on YouTube, make sure that you like this podcast, subscribe to my channel, hit that notification bell icon so that you know when I upload a new podcast, and comment at the end of this podcast. And also, if you're tuning into my podcast on Apple, Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, or any other podcast services, make sure that you leave me a review and that you email sportstalkwithjj at gmail.com. The email is also in the description down below. And you can also tune into my other podcast links that I have posted on my YouTube page if you're listening to me on there. So you can definitely check that out if you'd like. Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about with this Phillies team today. Game two was today and the Phillies just looked amazing. They looked really good later in the game. It was kind of ugly in the beginning, not going to lie. They got their first one of the season, but base runners were being left everywhere and they just had a hard time taking control of this game. Miguel Rojas, for some reason, he's been hitting the ball very well off of like every single Phillies pitcher, but from the sixth inning on, we just pressed on the gas pedal, and by the eighth inning, we were just in cruise control, and it was just actually a great win. Zach Wheeler doing an incredible job on the pitching mound, DD hitting another bomb early in the game, McCutcheon with a phenomenal sliding catch in the seventh inning. Bryce Harper putting up a nice bun single, which led to a three-run dead center field home run that would give the Phillies some breathing room by JT Realmuto. And of course, the biggest story of all, which is Phil Barrel Gosselin. I mean, the dude has been unbelievable. He hit two big home runs in the A-hole tonight for the Phillies and played at the DH position. What a tremendous game he had. So many headlines coming out of this game, but it wasn't all flowers and roses in the first half of this game. A lot of these things didn't occur until later on in the game, but the bottom line is that the Phillies got this done, and that Joe Girardi got his first win of the season as the new manager of the Phillies, and Zach Wheeler got his first win as a Philly too, and they won by a final score of 7-1. to So let's just recap this game and look at the box score. And then I just want to talk about the hitting side of things and obviously the pitching side too. And at the end, I just want to briefly discuss tomorrow's afternoon matchup for pitchers. So as far as the lineups go, the biggest change with the lineup today was that Jay Bruce was having an off day today and Phil Gosselin got the start at the DH position. Oh wait, excuse me, Phil Barrel Gosselin. And you know... Phil is telling me with his three hits that he had today and being on base for four times, he's telling me that he deserves to be in the lineup tomorrow. He's just been doing an incredible job. I think that Tom McCarthy said that he was 10 for his last 11 before this game today, which is just insane to me. So I think that after, especially after this performance, even Joe Girardi said that he made him look good today. So I just think that Joe just should just give him the nod and should let him pitch tomorrow. So But other than that switch, everything else for the Phillies just stayed the same. McCutcheon batted first, Reese batted second, and then Bryce batted in the three-hole, and JT batted cleanup. Segura was in the five-hole, and then DD and Kingery were in the sixth and the seventh hole. Goslin then batted eighth, and Roman Quinn was batting in the nine-hole. I was actually like having this conversation earlier with my dad, but I really don't like Reese batting in the two-hole before Bryce. I think he's better off in either the five or the six spot, depending on who else is playing that day and who's on the mound. But I definitely don't like him batting at the top of the lineup. I think that putting him somewhere in the middle of the lineup and maybe putting 
Roman Quinmore towards the top of the lineup, I think that that could be a better alternative. Or maybe somebody like Scott Kingery. I know that when the Phillies were really good, they had a lot of speed at the top of the lineup. You had Jimmy Rollins, guys who could just get on base. You had Jimmy Rollins, and then you had Shane Vitorino playing center field, and then you had Chase Utley after that. And you know, then you had the big boys like Ryan Howard, Pat Burrell, Jason Worth, Raul Labanias. All of those guys batted like in the five or the sixth hole, or just later on in the lineup. They weren't the leadoff hitters. You know, guys that could just get on at the top of the game and at the start of the game, and that could just start a rally. Reese just doesn't strike me as that guy. I think that Reese would be better off in a position where he could just watch these pitchers from the dugout and be able to produce later in the lineup. But those are just my thoughts. You know, someone who can just provide that sort of spark and that can just get you on base, I think that that's what the Phillies need in that two-hole. And Reese just hasn't shown me that he could be in those hypothetical situations. I want Reese to come up to bat when runners are on first and second because I know that he can drive in base runners. He had like 83 RBIs last year. He can hit you home runs when he's hot, but he's a guy that just drives in runs. He's not somebody that you want at the top of the lineup who can just get on base. That's just not the type of hitter that he is. How about the Marlins putting Jonathan VR back at second base and giving John Birdie the nod to play center field? <laughs> I had to laugh because when I looked at last night's starting lineup for the Marlins and I saw that he was batting first and in the lineup it said that he was playing center field, I thought that maybe either that was a mistake or like why would Don Mattingly put Jonathan VR out in center field because his natural position is to play in the middle infield, either at shortstop or second base. That's just what he's been playing when he was in Milwaukee and when he was in Baltimore. His natural position was shortstop and second base. And then, of course, I see him make that air off that Jay Bruce fly ball last night, and D.D. was able to score. He just dropped that fly ball, and I just I just had to laugh. And the fact that Don Mattingly put him back at second base today, I think that that said a lot. <laughs> so, But I digress, because I just, I just thought it was funny when I saw the lineup and that he was playing second base today. But I want to talk about today's pitching matchup. So today's pitching matchup was Zach Wheeler and Caleb Smith. We'll get to talk about Zach Wheeler's performance in a little bit, but I just wanted to recap some of the big scoring moments throughout the game and what the Phillies were able to do in order to get runs on the board. The Phillies put up their first run in the bottom of the second inning, and that was a 417-foot bomb that was hit by D.D. He has just been hot. It was a hanging breaking ball, and it kind of looked a little bit like Jesus Aguilar's home run that he hit off of Aaron Nola in the sixth inning last night. That was another hanging breaking ball that Jesus just crushed, but Didi murdered that pitch, and he put the Phillies up one to nothing at that point, and that was a big spark because it gave the Phillies the lead and it put them on the board. The Phillies had some opportunities to expand this one nothing lead, and Caleb Smith, who was walking about almost everybody, was just able to get out of these big jams. The Marlins were still able to hang around, and finally, Somebody got a hold of Zach Wheeler in the top of the fifth inning and tied the game up at 1-1. You had a walk issued on four pitches to Brett Anderson. Then Garrett Cooper drilled a 2-2 pitch past the first base side and runners were at the corners. And then, of course, Miguel Rojas, he, you know, he just tied the game up on a RBI single that was out to left center field. And after that hit, Zach Wheeler did a really nice job getting out of that jam in the fifth inning by making a nice play to get Brett Wallach to ground into a 1-6-3 double play. That wasn't easy. He did a really nice job reacting to that, and he threw the ball to second base and was able to get a double play out of it. So just got to give him credit. 
But then we go to the bottom of the sixth inning with two outs and with nobody on. Scott Kingery draws a walk, and in the next at-bat, Phil Gosselin hits a two-run shot to lift the Phillies up at that point, 3-1. to one. And that was huge. The Phillies needed to provide Zach Wheeler with some sort of breathing room, and that home run was just a breath of fresh air. It was, because even in just the first two innings, the Phillies left five base runners on, and they just couldn't drive in anyone that was on base. So now, we're in the top of the seventh inning. Zach Wheeler goes back on the mound, and on the first pitch, Corey Dickerson hits a bullet to left field. And I'm thinking in the back of my head that maybe this is going to be trouble, and that this could turn into a triple, but no. Andrew McCutcheon makes an outstanding sliding catch out in left field, and not going to lie, I was a little bit scared at first because after he made that catch, I thought about his ACL and he just got up and he even smiled and he looked absolutely fine and was just able to walk it off. There was no limping, none of that. So that just made me smile. But that catch was definitely a game changer and Zach Wheeler was able to get some help out of that and he got out of the seventh inning. But then we go to the bottom of the seventh, and I think that the biggest mistake that was made throughout this game was that Don Mattingly left Alex Vesia to pitch in the bottom of the seventh inning because he gave up that two-run dinger to Goslin in the sixth, but he stuck with him, and the Phillies took advantage of that. Reese had a one-out walk, and that was followed by a big-time bunt single that Bryce Harper had, which was past the third base side, and that was a big play because he set JT up for this big three-run bomb that was hit to dead center field, and the wind just carried that thing. It was just so refreshing to see JT get his first hit, and the fact that Bryce made that bunt single up to the first base side, it just shows how dynamic of a player he is. I think he had two walks today. And he also had that bunt single, and that just goes to show that he doesn't need to drive in runs. He can still be a leader to this team by just making some noise and getting on base and doing those little things that can spark this team. And that's what he was able to do, and I was really happy to see that out of Bryce today. He didn't do that yesterday. So then we go to the eighth inning. Tommy Hunter came in relief for Zach Wheeler, and Tommy, I was really happy to see him back on the mound because he's coming off of surgery on his flexor tendon. He had some okay pitches, but you could kind of see that he lost a little bit of his velocity, and he gave up a double down the line to who else but Miguel Rojas. He also got kind of lucky because after he walked Jonathan VR and the runners were at the corners with two outs, Jesus Aguilar hits this rocket towards Didi, and at first I thought that maybe Didi caught it, but no. He played it on a hop. And he lost a little bit of his balance because of how hard the ball was hit. And he was just able to throw out Aguilar at first base. And that was another big time defensive play. The defense really helped out the Phillies today between the Andrew McCutcheon catch out in left field and that big play. The Phillies would then add another insurance run in the bottom of the eighth inning on an opposite field home run by, who do you know? The barrel man. (laughs) Uh, Phil Gosselin. What a man. It's just so funny because I was watching this press conference during the postgame show and it cracked me up because he said that he only got about 300 text messages after the game and most of those texts were from either his high school friends or his family members. I just had to laugh because it was only 300. (laughs) Uh, What a guy. And finally, Diel Esquera came in to pitch during the ninth inning and I've really liked what I've seen out of him. Overall, he's had a really good summer for the Phillies. I know that he's 31 years old, but he's been looking really good throughout summer camp, and in this game, he looked really good too. 
the ninth inning, he did a lot of damage. I personally really like his changeup. He got Dickerson to swing and miss on a great changeup to strike him out at the top of the inning, and his curveball is something else that's just worthy of looking out for. The cut fastball was also pretty phenomenal too, and even Hansel Ramirez was just caught dead looking at one of those because he couldn't believe that the movement on that pitch that it had, it was just great to see. But overall, it was a great win for the Phillies, and honestly, after a terrible offensive night, and I would honestly say a a terrible first one and a half games, they really stepped it up offensively in the second half of today's afternoon game, and that was just something that we as a Philly fan base, was waiting to see. We've been hearing all about this lineup and how much power this team has. And the fact that we got to see this team turn it on in the second half of this game was just something that was just refreshing. But let's talk more about this offense. Early on, this team was struggling. Caleb Smith walked six batters and just had a hard time controlling the strike zone and clearly got lucky because the Phillies just couldn't take any sort of advantage of him except for D.D. But in the bottom of the first, you had an opportunity with Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper on first and second, and Real Muto was just swinging at bad pitches, and on a 1-2 count, he gets fooled on a slider, and that goes out of the strike zone, and he just swings and misses at it, and then Segura flies out to end the inning, and then in the bottom of the second, after the Gregorius home run, you have back-to-back walks that are issued to Goslin and Kingery, and there's runners at first and second with no one out. Roman Quinn looked ridiculous, bunting at that 1-0 pitch. I thought that he was very late, and I thought that it was a little bit down low, and he just pops up to the third base side and fouls out. Talk about a rally killer, that was just pathetic. Then McCutcheon fouls out, and that's the second out of the inning. Hoskins gets on with a walk, and he loads the bases, and everything's just set up for Bryce. All he has to just do is eat, and he has to drive in those runs. But no. Instead, he strikes out looking at a curveball that was over the middle of the plate, and just like that, the inning was over. The Phillies could have gotten maybe four runs out of it, and they only got one. So I was really mad at that point because they just weren't taking advantage of anything that Caleb Smith was giving them, and the Marlins had no business being in this game. The Phillies should have just been blowing them out. So Caleb Smith would just finish his afternoon after only going three innings and only allowing one run and six walks in this game, he threw 76 pitches, and only 36 of them were strikes. That means 40 of his pitches were balls. That's like more than half, which is insane. He just didn't have his stuff, but the Phillies got to their bullpen, and they gave up six runs in four innings. The only guy that looked good out of the Marlins bullpen was Nick Neider, who actually came in relief and pitched one in a third of an inning after Caleb Smith was taken out. But the Phillies just got to those three other pitchers after him, and you got to give them credit. It was great to see JT get out of his slump. He looked horrible in his first seven at-bats. And to see him get going after Bryce Harper had a nice day too, and then you have Didi and Goslin swinging the hot bat, it's just something that was just great to see. I still want to see more out of Reese Hoskins. He didn't have a bad day, per se. He, You know, three walks isn't bad by any means. I just want to see him hit the ball hard and be productive. I personally think that he's overanalyzing the game, kind of like what Gabe Kapler does. Now, I'm not trying to compare Reese to Gabe by any means. Obviously, Gabe isn't with the team anymore, and he's now managing for the San Francisco Giants, but I think that both of them have tendencies to overanalyze 
things about the game. And sometimes you just have to let the game come to you. Sometimes you'll see Gabe Kapler make these stupid moves where he thinks that analytics are going to help this team win. And sometimes you kind of just have to look at it from a different perspective. You know, you can look at launch angle and you can look at those things from an offensive side, but sometimes you have to play small ball. Sometimes you have to put in a lefty instead of a righty because maybe maybe one of your hitters is hot. So, you know, it all depends on the situation. But Reese, with his new swing and with his new stance, I think that he's overthinking about these things. And he just has to let the game come to him. He has to know what his pitches are and be able to produce with and take advantage of those pitches that he gets. There were a couple times today where I saw him take some really good pitches that he should have swung at. And a couple of those pitches that he swung at, he just wasn't able to make good contact with them. So that is concerning to me. And that's why I think that putting him in the middle of the lineup would make such a big difference. I'm also really hoping that we can eventually see some more offensive production out of McCutcheon and Segura too. I'm just happy that Kutch is back on the field and that he's batting leadoff. And I think that it's a great position for him. I know that he's going to figure it out. He will. And Segura, I'm hoping that he will eventually get hot too. I like him defensively playing at third base. I think it's a good fit for him. It's better than him playing second base or shortstop. But I'm curious to see what's going to happen once Alec Bohm gets called up. Will Segura get less playing time? Maybe they'll put Bohm at first. If that's the case, will Reese get less playing time? What's going to happen to him? That's just something that they're just going to have to see. But now I just want to transition and talk more about what happened today on the mound. We saw Aaron Nola pitch last night through five pretty good innings, and then in the sixth inning, he threw two hanging breaking balls to Aguilar, which ended up being a two-run dinger, and a double by Dickerson, which was down the right field line. Today, Zach Wheeler was on the mound, and I thought that overall, he had a really good afternoon. I was very satisfied with what he did, and I was just happy that the Phillies actually gave him some run support, unlike last night's game, because last night, the Phillies just looked lifeless. But Wheeler was firing out of the gate, and he was throwing pitches that were like 97, 98 miles per hour, and his secondary pitches looked really good. When he is throwing his sinker effectively, and he's painting his slider on the outside of the plate that's between 89 and 92 miles per hour, it's really hard to hit him. Overall, if you looked at his stats, you would see that he had four strikeouts in seven innings, and you would think that that's not necessarily a dominating performance. But if you watch this game, you would also see that he got four guys to ground into double plays. The first two were in the first and also in the second inning. And then he had one in the fifth inning when he got out of a jam that he was in. And he had one in the sixth inning too where he got Aguilar to ground into a double play. And the double play ball was just very effective. There were even some key at-bats where I thought that his stuff was absolutely overpowering. One of them was to Aguilar. And that was during his second at-bat, which was in the top of the fourth inning. And Wheeler threw three pitches to Aguilar, and he swung and missed at all of them. The first one was a 98-mile-per-hour fastball. And the last two pitches were breaking balls at both 81 and 80 miles per hour. The first one I thought he threw was nasty, but the second one was just filthy. 
I even thought that it was going to be a hanging curveball over the middle of the plate, and I got a little bit scared, but that pitch tricked me. And I was just watching this from my living room, and it went all the way down low into the dirt. You thought that maybe it was going to be a hanging curveball and that it was going to hang over the plate, but it just dipped. And it was just a phenomenal pitch. And then the last batter he faced in the seventh inning, at, at that point they had a 3-1 to one lead. That was also the same inning that Kutch made that nice sliding grab to get the first out of the inning. His batter that he faced in that inning was Austin Cooper to get the last out, and he fell behind on him with a 2-0 count. But after he fell behind in the count, assistant pitching coach Dave Lundquist, he came out and he talked to Wheeler. Pitching coach Brian Price actually wasn't able to be there today. Girardi actually confirmed in this press conference after today's game that Price had some medical issues and that he couldn't discuss anything further, but I'm just hoping that he's okay and that he'll be back sometime really soon. I'm a really big fan of him as a pitching coach, and I'm just hoping that he'll be all right. But back to Zach Wheeler. So he's behind on the 2-0 count to Austin Cooper, and Lundquist goes out to talk to him, and after that, he was just firing at 97 and worked his way back up with a 2-2 count, and then it became a battle as Cooper fought off, I think it was the next three pitches, and then looked at a ball which was out of the zone to make it a full count. And that last pitch that he threw was a 97 mile per hour high cheese fastball, and Cooper just had no chance of swinging at that pitch, and that was filthy. So he would finish the night going seven innings, and he only allowed one earned run on four hits and four strikeouts, and that was only with 87 pitches, which is absolutely impressive for him. Overall, he didn't even have an inning where he even threw 20 pitches, and that's great. 57 of those pitches that he threw were strikes, and I just have to tip my cap to him. I'm happy that he got his first win and that he pitched today. His newborn son, Wesley, was actually supposed to be born today, and instead he was born five days early, which was on Monday, and I'm just happy that it all worked out. He got to see Wesley and spend time with his wife, Dominique. He even mentioned that he was going to give Wesley the ball after today's win, and once I heard him say that, that just made me feel so happy for him and his family. You know, he's just a really great guy, and I'm really happy for him. But now I want to talk about the bullpen. I know that it was only two innings, but I really liked what Joe Girardi did and who he put out from the bullpen. Tommy Hunter was back on the mound. I'm hoping that maybe he could turn into that setup guy. I know that that's asking a lot for him, especially because he's coming off a of surgery, but if his velocity could go back up, just not be like what it was today, which was 93, but if he could go up to throwing about 95 to 96 mile per hour fastballs and he uses his other pitches correctly, maybe he does come in the game and gets holds for Hector Neris or whoever pitches in the ninth inning. I'm just happy that Girardi put him out there because the situation of being up 6-1 to one at that point of the game was just a perfect spot for him just to go out and pitch an inning. And I'm happy that we got to see Guerra pitch too in the ninth. It was a good spot for him. And obviously we need to continue to watch the bullpen as the season goes. But today I really liked what I saw on the mound. If they don't have to go to their bullpen early, then they have a much better chance of winning. If a starter goes 6 or 7 innings and they only have to use 3 guys, I think that that's great. What's really going to carry this team and make them go far is their offense. The offense is just supposed to carry them, and it's just supposed to get them going. It's only been two games, and there's still 58 games more to go. 
Vinny Velasquez is going to be taking the mound tomorrow. I know that Joe really likes him. The series is tied, and he's going to be going up against Jose Urena in tomorrow afternoon's game. What kind of Vinny Velasquez are we going to get tomorrow? Is his fastball and his slider going to be really good? Is he going to be able to use those secondary pitches and be effective? Come on now, Vinny. Let's win the series and let's take two out of three. So once again, this is Sports Talk Today with JJ. My name is Jason Joseph. If you're tuning in to me on YouTube, make sure that you leave a comment down below. And if you're listening to me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, make sure that you leave me a review and that you email sportstalkwithjj at gmail.com. I hope you guys have a great night, and I will see you all next time.